This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? Ready. All right, baby. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with my, my guest, David Madero, let's just talk about a little bit of business. What do you say, everybody? First things first, Axe Wax. Thank you, Axe Wax. Axe Wax, all natural food safe wax for your axe, for your carbon steel, for your regular steel, for your stainless, for your G10, for your wood. It's great stuff. All natural food safe. Why not? Why not give it a shot? It's great. I use it on all my culinary knives uh, when I send them out. I feel good knowing that when I do send out culinary knives to a customer, I'm using all-natural food-safe wax, not Nikki going onto your, onto your knives. You know what I'm saying? So if you go to axewax.us, you put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off your order. If you go to UK Knife Maker Supply, that's Toby out in the, in the UK, he's accepting Full Blast 10. He got Axe Wax. If you're in the EU, Keith Colby over at KnifeMaterial.at has Axe Wax, and he's taking Full Blast 10. In Australia, Gamaco, OldArtisanSupply.com.au, old, uh, they're taking Full Blast 10. And, and also in Australia, NordicEdge.com.au is taking Full Blast 10 for all your Axe Wax. Go get yourself some Axe Wax. It's enough already. Stop playing around. Uh, next is Total Boat. Total, Ma- Total Boat makes adhesive paints, primers, polishing compounds. They're, they started out as a company making products for boaters and DIYers who are working on their boats. And then they realized that the maker community can benefit widely and greatly from, uh, from their products. So they focus on a lot of makers, guys like Keith Decent, Derek Fromalden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, every Keith. Every Keith, if you're a Keith making something, you're using Total Boat. Jimmy DeResta, they're all using it. And uh, I use the Total Boat high-performance two-part epoxy when I'm laminating scales together. I use their uh, UV Cure Clear resin when I was filling little holes in. I just used some this morning before we started this podcast. I was using it, and you hit it. You put a little bit in, hit it with the UV flashlight, bingo, bango, bongo. It's hard as a rock. It's great stuff. So if you go to TotalBoat.com, put in promo code Full Blast 10. You're going to get 10% off your order of all your Total Boat stuff. We're going to be seeing them at Maker Camp. I'm looking forward to hanging out with them, talking to them. Last time they were there, the uh, the president, Mike, was forging with us. at the at the, at the the. We're looking forward to seeing him again and Kristen and everybody there. So once again, TotalBoat.com, Full Blast 10 for 10% off. Okay? Okay? Next is I just received my new stable rail knife finishing vice from Texas. From, Trojan Horse Forge, TrojanHorseForge.com. They sent me another stable rail knife finishing vice because they got more than just it's more than just me in this shop. And my first one is so great, I needed another one. And I tell you what, I'll tell you why it's so great. Number one, it comes in a bombproof case. This thing is amazing. Pins and all the rubber you need and all this stuff. And it isn't just for finishing off your knife handles. It's for it's for Sam hand hand sanding too. So they have some plates that bolt on. And then you can put your knife tang side into the vise, and then it supports your knife so you can hand sand it, which is great. So um, I use it for that. And then uh, if you had a, a kukri, if you're a curved knife, or you have a uh, if you have a um, an integral bolster or something like that, and you think ah, I can't, it can't possibly work. Well, you're wrong. It definitely moves around, so you can accommodate all the different. Uh, 
geometries of your knife. And you get yourself knife squared away, and then you put the handle on, you stick it in, stick it back in. You don't have to use blue tape or anything like that to protect your knife because it's got covered in uh, rubber to protect your knife, and then you can finish your handle. Uh, so if you go to TrojanHorseForge.com, check them out. And and the other thing is, is like these guys don't have a lot on stock. These this is a hot ticket item. So what you want to do is you want to get on their newsletter or whatever they do, and you order one. You will get ten. You will get all your shipping free if you use the the promo code Full Blast. Uh, I highly suggest taking a look at it, and they have payment plan opportunities too. So if you don't want to just lump it all out in one, um, you will be able to pay it installments. And the other thing is, is like these are guys who are in Texas. These are guys, a small company making great products in the United States. They're doing a great job on and uh, helping other knife makers. So go check out TrojanHorseForge.com. And the last but not certainly not least, Maritime Knife Supply supports this comp pod, this podcast, MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. All your knife making needs: belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat treating ovens, anvils, anything you need or resupply. Get all your belts, get all your sandpaper over at uh, Maritime Knife Supply. They even have axe wax. Uh, they are in Canada, but they ship to the United States with ease, and then can take advantage of that exchange rate. Uh, lots of steel selections. You got. Lawrence is getting more and more stuff in every day, and I'm sure if there's something that he doesn't have, you send him a message, I'm sure he'll get it. Uh, he, he also has all the TR Maker equipment. Uh, that's a great name who makes uh, really great bevel jigs and all sorts of knife-making supplies. And then he also has Dr. Laren Thomas's must-have knife book, Knife Engineering. I would highly suggest getting your belts from him because... He's giving 10% off on a packet of 10. So what's so what's the big deal? Go get yourself some of that Maritime Knife Supply at MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. Okay? Okay? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I've been waiting for this for quite a long time. David Madero is an accomplished sculptor, a metal worker, a metal artist. He is, he's been making steel sculpture for his entire life. I know all about it. His entire life. Since he was four years old, he's been welding this guy. He's also, not only is he an accomplished sculptor, he was one of the judges on Metal Shop Masters, and I'm happy to have you here. David, what's going on? What is up, Jeff? Thank you so much, first of all, man. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. While I'm welding, while I'm doing my sculptures, I'm definitely listening to you and, and a whole bunch of other ones. I'm, I'm a podcast guy. I really am. Well, I appreciate it. Do you think that you could move your mic a little bit closer, and maybe just a hair? It's all right. We'll make just, it work. Just a hair. That's better. There you there go. There we Perfect. go, man. There we go. Sorry Pod- about that. Everybody. No, don't be. Don't listen to me, man. I'm with you. Listen. You know the interesting <laughs> thing about podcasts are is it a lot of makers and sculptors and welders and artists they're alone, and this is something especially in the maker community where there are people who are, maybe some people are part-time welders. Maybe they're working out of their garage. Maybe they're working out of their whatever. Sometimes it's nice to feel like you're not alone. And I really have been, podcasting has been something for me that it's been helped. I've been doing it for 12 years. And it's been something, it's been something, the radio has been something for me that's been like a, like a, a soothing voice to know that you're not alone. Well, you got a great voice, Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're, look at you. Look at you, David. So, David, what's been going on lately? What have you been up to? Well, uh, just same old, same old. I mean, I, I sometimes I feel like I never get out of the shop. I'm kind of a hermit. 
<laughs> I I don't go out that much, and I'm just uh, sculpting away at the shop pretty much, man. What are you working on now? Well, uh, ooh, right now I'm I'm kind of excited. It's I've I've been trying to do a little bit more pop culture sculptures, and uh, uh, my team I've got a, a person that helps me sell my sculptures. They uh, they're they're kind of focused on like companies and 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 more pop like pop culture type items and uh he just helped me sell this uh batman and joker sculpture uh, to to some pretty important people <laughs> wow so yeah man it's it's uh it's very very cool and it's it's nice that i'm able to just completely get out of my comfort zone and do something that i have no idea about i mean you know i I've, I've seen all the batman sculptures and everything but i'm not that into the the comic so i had to take a deep dive and and you know look at everything online which google is the best thing ever for sculptors man it really is you could just learn so much <laughs> but sometimes i i go down the rabbit hole and uh yeah man it, i could be just days and nights on the internet looking through these these things that i have to study so yeah it's, it's cool man i like it Interesting that you say that because originally I thought, boy, if you're making like comic book, comic book people are crazy. I mean, they're Holy literally crazy. Shit, they are. <laughs> and they're very, very opinionated in regards to, they hold these, they hold these people or not these people, these characters with such uh -huh. reverence that Total. any it's kind like of deviation, precious. any kind of deviation for why they like it, it's like, it can be like nuclear reactions. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what he, how he feels about how they'll be represented. But then all of a sudden, I realized, hey, he did a 150-foot sculpture of Jesus. I think, <laughs> I think that I would yeah. imagine, I would imagine it doesn't get more uh, intense than something like that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. It's, uh, uh, you know, in, in the way, way back of my mind, I, I do kind of, you know. Uh, we're, we're artists, and we have egos, and not just egos, we have fragile egos, right? And right. so you don't want people to talk bad about you. But, you know, if one out of ten people talks bad about you, uh, you're having a pretty good day, man. I mean, even if it's four out of ten, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Uh, and art, art, it's, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, and uh, you could... People get rubbed the wrong way, and w w when they see something, and especially when they see, I don't know, money going into art, and maybe, I don't know, the, especially if it's like a, a governmental uh, buy, right? If I right. do something for the government, it's, oh, man, people get really, really pissed off sometimes, but you just, you just got to grin and bear it and, and keep going on, man. That's a tough one. The government, I just recently finished a sculpture that I installed, and um, I actually talked about it with uh, Leah Arapach. It was, Ooh, uh, I was, I, love uh, Leah. Um, a few years ago, I had, uh, a few years ago, I was asked to do the sculpture where they, the, the city wanted, the city that I'm in wanted to do a uh, gun buyback program, and then they came up to me and they said, do you think oh, you could sweet. do anything with the guns? Once uh -huh. they're once they're destroyed, and all in my in my mind, as you know, as an as a metal artist too, somebody offers you like scrap guns, you're not going to say no. I mean, oh hell no! Yeah, I mean it's like Dude. it's not even like I mean it's just from a it's from a uh, very very uh, vain 
and very, very uh -huh. greedy situation. If you get offered, the police say, we got a box, we got a crate of destroyed guns. We want you to make a sculpture with it. You're going to take it regardless of what, the, you know, whatever. Have so you I made this. It? I, I, I had to do this sculpture and I was very, wow, I man. didn't want to do it because mm -hmm. I felt like there, it's very, you know, art is very difficult and metal sculpture, which we're going to talk about a lot. Found uh -huh. object art is very difficult. And found an object is art is very difficult yep. because whatever you're working with, you're carrying the history of that object unless you really manipulate it. Yep. So thank God, when I got all the guns, I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do with these? You know, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to weld you know, all these rifles together? I'm like, it's going to look like shit. <laughs> and it's going to be out. It's the city's involved and the police department's involved and my friend who organized oh is involved. Oh, my God. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, what the fuck am I going to do? So luckily, the <laughs> pandemic hit. I mean, I'm not to make light of it, but I mean, I, I got to like sideline the whole thing for a couple of years to think about it. And what I decided thinking, really, really thinking about the direction especially about metal art was I decided that as a blacksmith I'm going to forge the material and I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, manipulate the mass so you don't recognize the parts oh so I cut goodness. off all the gun barrels I forged them down on my on my tire hammer at a specific size and then I welded it all together into this giant ribbon and I then the giant ribbon once it was all welded together and it was painted and something you couldn't recognize uh -huh. any guns because wow. what I wanted to do was I wanted when the, somebody walked past it, I don't want them to immediately say, oh, look, they're guns. I wanted them mm -hmm. to look at the sculpture without looking at the history of what those objects were. And mm -hmm. that's the question as a metal artist that is, to me, is the biggest. I mean, I've been, I've been welding since 1992, and it's been, like, the, plaguing me. Because, you know, as you know, you can get some. You can get some bolts, weld them together, and all of a sudden you got some sculpture. But I mean, mm -hmm. like you, you'll never not carry that object. So oh, just yeah. to finish the story up, I was really hesitant. To, I didn't want to. I said to when I got involved, I said I don't want to take any money from the police department. I don't want to take any money from the the city. I'd rather do it for free. And I said, you know, and 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 I ended up the, this art arts organization ended up uh -huh. um, paying for it. And it, you know, and, and but at the same time, I felt very uncomfortable. I know exactly what you're saying in terms of the government. You know, it gets very uncomfortable because all of a sudden the criticism of like, well, why is the government paying for this? Right. Well, Jeff, you're you're a better man than me. <laughs> well, you would have taken the guns too, David. Don't play. Oh yeah, I mean, you would have taken them yeah. first. But, but I then all of a sudden you got to do something with them. <laughs> I would tell them, uh, hell, uh, give me double, man. No, I'm just joking. It, I, I I hear you, dude. It's uh, it's rough and it's uh, I hate the word controversial, but it, it, it's true, man. It's it, you just have to live in that world, and there's there's something in the back of your mind that that completely just it, 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 if you let that get to you, it'll freeze you up, and and you just gotta let it flow a little bit, and and just just uh, take a chance, man. And that's that's kind of what I try to tell, uh, like when young artists come to me, or or when 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 they ask what to do, I just tell them, man, just. Try not to be scared. I mean, we're all scared. We're all a bunch of little scared little babies, right? <laughs> Especially artists. But just try to be less scared and, and just try to just uh, get that, that, that excitement that, that, that's in your head, that, that thing that you just want to, like, show people what's, a little bit what's in your brain. Just try to get excited. That's, that's what I try to tell people, man. Well, here's the problem. The problem is 
the scaredness, it, it, it doesn't come from just you're scared. It comes from you're making something and you, that thing that you're making is a, putting you in a vulnerable position emotionally oh, yeah. because you're putting something out there that you think is the best that you can do at that time. And if people are judging it, you, they're almost judging your decision making at that time. So you're, you're in a very vulnerable spot, which is like it's unenviable, yeah. unenviable. Right. You're Especially you're doing naked. stuff like Jesus. You're, how did you do that? Hundred, that hundred and fifty foot Jesus. There must have been some. How did you do that? Uh, it's. What, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, Sorry. how did you like have the emotional capacity to to do this enormous? Obviously, oh. one of the most famous. Uh, you know, there's nothing bigger. There's no bigger iconography in the United, in the world than yeah, Jesus true. and the cross. And you do this enormous. 150 foot sculpture for how did you have the mindset to be like, I can do this? Uh, well, uh, it all, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not at all religious. I'm a pretty much, uh, you know, I'm pretty much an, an atheist. And, uh, I, I, not that I don't have respect for religion. I do. I, I completely like all the iconography and all of that. I, I, I take it in and it's, 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 mythology to me so it, it's beautiful it, it's great but it, it's not like i'm scared of doing a jesus right. you know it's it's just something that, that pretty much uh i it, it's not that i don't respect it i do very much because it has so much power in the world but i i'm not at all afraid of it it's not like i'm if i don't do it right I, i'm i'm going to to the bad place, you know what I mean? Right. But it's <laughs> I don't such believe a, in that it, at all. It's such an enormous sculpture. And, I mean, working with something that's, like, small scale and, and regular scale is one thing. And you can, you know, even if it was life-size, you can finish welding and then walk back and then take a look. But when you're working on something that's as massive as that, how do you know how it's going to look when it's done? Sometimes I, I really don't. Jeff, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy because I, I hear a lot of other interviews of, of artists and, and they say that they know exactly what's going to happen. They, they know exactly how it's going to come out once it's finished. And I'm amazed at that, man. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know how, how that could even be possible. Right. I, I, it's not like I don't trust them. I, I believe them, but for me, it's, I, I, there's just absolutely no way that I could exactly know what's going to turn out. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I have, I have like a broad idea in my mind of, of what I want and it's, it's very general. And, and while I'm working it, I'll, I'll start changing things. I'll start adapting. I'll start, I don't know. Sometimes uh, the the metal that I'm using, just you know, if I'm using a certain type of material or like a, a a round bar, or I'm using like sheet metal, and it, it, it some, sometimes even the material tells me where to go hmm. with with the design of the sculptures, and and sometimes even the the welding that I'm doing while I'm welding, it kind of takes me towards. Uh, and in this case, the anatomy, and in this, and in this case, like the 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 face and the beard and the 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 thorny uh, crown on on the head, it, it just it, I let what whatever's around me at that time, at that certain moment, that same day, I I, I let that take me to to 
sculpt. I, I, I don't even know if I'm explaining it right. I, yeah, I hope I, I am. No, yeah, of course. Take me back. Four years old. Your dad's a welder. He's a, what, he's a metal artist. Uh-huh. Take me back to the young David Madero. You got to, you know, you're wearing your little shorts. You look like a cute little kid. No beard. You're a cute little kid. And your dad says to you, David, come to my shop. How oh, does he get you? How is he? Number one, how does he get you into the shop? And number two, what kind of work was he doing? Uh, well, uh, I'm the youngest out of, out of three or three brothers. And uh, I, I just saw my older brother's work for my dad. And, you know, when I was five years old, I, I just started bugging the hell out of him. Huh. I'm like, uh, and, and, you know, back then, I, you know, I've said this in other interviews where it, it might have not been that legal, you know. It, no, of course I don't not. think it was that right <laughs> to have like a five-year-old helping you. And But there's something that, that I haven't ever said before, Jeff. This is the first time I'm going to say this ever. But I wasn't welding uh, uh, steel or even stainless. I was freaking doing flux uh, 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 bronze. You know, uh, like the, the, the yeah. things that, that you, like plumbers use? Yeah. I was using that because that, during that time, my father was, was doing his whole, uh, he had this whole phase of doing uh, semi-precious metal, like brass, bronze, copper. And so I was helping him with these flux-coated bronze rods that'll freaking kill you, man, yeah. if you breathe that in. And... Back then, my dad didn't have the, the, the face mask, like the, the big things that everybody on the Internet uses nowadays. We just had freaking fans, man. So we had, yeah. like, fans behind us, like, pushing the, the smoke of the flux away from us. So, uh, I mean, there was a few times where, you know, I, I, I might have not turned the fan on or whatever, and I was just crazy sick for the rest of the day <laughs> but I, I i just kept doing it <laughs> shout out I, to the flux coated bronze those flux coated bronze rods are how it's those those things are amazing oh and when boy. you run out of them when you run out of them all of a sudden it becomes a little bit of a difficulty i spent a lot of time using those flux coated rods those are amazing Aren't but they, they awesome, stink man? but they stink oh, there's dude. a ton of everything it's terrible I know, and and then the smell's not that bad. You you, you kind of get like, ooh, look at this smell. But that the once it gets into your lungs, it's over, man. I mean, it, it just the rest of the day, you're you have like this sharpness and like like glass in your lungs, and it's bad, man. So I yeah, I started with that, and uh, you know, just little by little, we, uh, which is kind of cool about working with my father is that I I, I kind of got to use all these different materials. Uh, it was basically all oxyacetylene welding and, uh, and uh, oh, uh, what's it called when, when you put the metal on top of another metal? Ah, brazing, sorry, brazing. brazing. Yeah, yeah uh, for everybody out there, I'm, I'm, my first language was Spanish. I live in Mexico and, you know, it's kind of... Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't care. <laughs> this, is, this, is this podcast is non-technical. So you say whatever the fuck go. you want. I Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, so do you think that the reason why you went in there is for your dad or because you wanted to be like your brothers? Uh, it, it was probably my brothers, yeah. honestly. Yeah. 
And because uh, most of the time when kid when kids come when their parents take their kids in, like I had a I have a daughter, and when she was uh-huh. young, she came in the shop one time and helped me with a rivet, and that was about it. And a lot of times, I would imagine mm-hmm. that it would be you just wanted to be kind of like your older brothers. Yeah, completely, man. It was it was it was more of a of a big brother do the same thing as as him type of deal. And uh, even you know it it, it kind of takes me into something else to where like later in life I I rebelled against my father. I had I didn't want to have anything to do with art at all uh, for like the longest time, and uh, you know tried to do everything other than than sculpting. And you know and here I am. You know sometimes uh, like I tell everybody sometimes just DNA kicks in. You know your parents like jeans kick in and and it's over man <laughs> you just have to do what you got to do so what kind of work was your your father at the shop working on what were they making uh my my father did uh it, kind of kind of amazing what he was doing it was uh just kind of abstract but super shiny bronze and brass and, and, and copper it, it almost like jewelry, you know, but just big. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, a bunch of abstract and, and impressionistic type, type sculptures. So it, it was, he was making sculpture for galleries or was he, did he have commissions or was he making railings and on the side or what kind oh, of metal it, shop was it? Oh, okay. Well, well, it was in a garage. <laughs> it was in a two car garage. So it wasn't, a shop. We didn't have a shop until much, much later. So yeah, we were in the in the garage, and he would work with with uh, just doing commissions. He would himself. He would go out and find clients, and he never was able to work with art galleries. And and trust me, I I completely understand that. It's very very hard to deal with these people sometimes. So he he was always mad at. at at art dealers and galleries and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go out and do everything myself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be paying somebody uh, practically half of what I'm charging. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of caught right in the middle. I, whether to pay somebody else to, to sell your art or do it yourself, but then that maybe that other person has a way uh, like a lot more contacts than you and has a lot more means of, of selling your art than you do sometimes. And, oh, and another thing, uh, dealers and art galleries, they, they talk the talk, man. They're just some really good talkers and they, they build you up and they, they get people to just want to own a little piece of, 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 of your art. And it's, you know, I, I don't know, man, I, I, I'm still kind of like right in, in the middle like I, I don't know what to do about all that stuff. May I just add to what you're? You are hitting a vein that I am very passionate about. I I said I said in an interview recently, uh-huh. gallerists and dealers are pimps. Oh, and oh, thank artists, you. artists yes. have artists nowadays, especially. Uh-huh. There is almost no reason to have to have a gallery or a dealer if you want to be an, an on-your-own artist. And I, I, I have had nothing but dealing with art gallerists who uh-huh. make and break people's careers. They influence 
whether or not some you know an artist is important or not and uh-huh. they take advantage of almost I've been involved in a couple of situations where I felt taken advantage of and with the with right. with the hope that this gallery or dealer will help me to make my, make me not a starving artist and yep. it became this uh, parasitic relationship where I just thought well I better I'll tell you a fucking story. So uh-huh. this gallery that I was going to deal with, this gallery that I was going to deal with, I was going to all the openings. They were. They, I was told, go to all the openings. Make sure you're seen there. Make sure you go to the openings. You know, make sure you're friendly with it. I would be friendly, and then all of a sudden they started to see me all the time, and I'd go on these goddamn things. And then one <laughs> of them guys said to me, "Do you make? Do you? Can you make a pedestals?" And this is a number of years ago. I said, "Yeah, I can make a pedestal." Uh-huh. And he goes, "Okay, I want you to make me. I need three pedestals. Gave me the size. He had his his gallery director make me the give me the d- dimensions. Uh-huh. And he said, "We want to use. We want to use this specific paint." So I had to make these pedestals, and I had to go get this specific paint. And then I brought, I delivered the gal, I delivered uh-huh. the pedestals, and then I delivered the quarter gallon of paint. And it was like not even, it was like a half a gallon of paint, and they were like an hour and a half away. And then they asked me if I would make more. And then um, they said, we want you to come down and pick up the rest of this paint because we're not going to pay for more paint. Oh, no. And I said, and I come said, on. you fucking make your own pedestals. I said, you make your own fucking pedestals. <laughs> I said, you think I'm coming into, you think I'm coming an hour and a half away for half a gallon of paint? You make your own fucking pedestals. Oh, and then that was right when I really kind of started making knives, being a knife maker. Right. And I said to myself, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing with it? Why am I like hoping that this uh-huh. person is going to discover me and then make me make me supposed to be uh, you know be very important next and then then take fucking fifty percent of what I'm doing uh-huh. and, and own what I'm doing. It's like fuck that. I these I don't need these pimps. So you you trust me. I I I, I am a, and now with social media you don't even need galleries anymore. Exactly. You know, but it, they're pimps. And in the knife game too, a lot of them are pimps. Really? And, and it's even fucking on the knife sock, game. dude. I thought, I, mean, I thought it was so much better. I think that any profession where there's a broker mm-hmm. or a gallerist, they're pimps. I mean, and, yep. and, and, and I have friends who own galleries, and God bless you. Maybe you're a great pimp. I, I tell you, <laughs> I, honestly, honestly, I'm sure that there are great pimps out there. I'm sure that there are people who are taking care of yeah. artists and knife makers and other artists, let's just say artists, and uh-huh. they're taking care of them and giving them opportunities they wouldn't normally have. The problem is, is like... You're 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 in a vulnerable position when you're making something that comes from your heart, and then you're having these guys or girls or whoever, and they're like making or breaking your 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 career for Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it just it just I I have had nothing but experiences than that, and it comes from being older. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it anymore. You know, I just, but at the same time, as, as long as I said, refer, and listen, I mean, if you don't like being called a pimp, then don't be a pimp. Right. I right. mean, period. Just, just a bunch of Don Kings, man. Just walking around trying to sell your art. It's and tough. Just, yeah. It's, it, and, you know, it's, it might work. Uh, no, 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 not might. I know it works for, for sculptors that, that do uh, clay and, and do the lost wax process and where they can, shell out 12 sculptures or 24 sculptures at a time that I, I can kind of see working with a, with a dealer or with right. a, with an, I agree. an art gallery. But when it's us, when we just do one freaking sculpture at a time and it's completely fucking original and it's, you know, you're doing it yourself. They, these, these people, they do not know how to deal with us because 
we want to charge more and we should charge more because it's a one-time deal that uh, whatever client's buying your sculpture is having uh, just one of those sculptures. There, there will never be another one of those. And we should be able to charge more. They don't let you charge more. They want to uh, almost cheapen your art a little bit where, I, I, I mean, I, I have nothing against clay sculpt, uh, sculptors that, 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 that do things in a limited edition, but come on, people. I mean, what we do is just so much, it's, it's pure in some way. It's more, uh, uh, I, I can't even come up with the words, but it's just, it's fucking better, man. It's just, it, 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 you're doing it. The, the artist is actually touching the sculpture. There's blood, sweat, and tears going into that. And for, for them to, to minimize your work in any way is it, it's just beyond me, man. It, it really is. Well, a lot of that also stems from the fact that gallerists and dealers have less of an experience talking about sculpture and what it takes to make sculpture than it is to talk about paintings. I've been in uh, critique uh-huh. situations where this gallerist, who's incredibly well well spoken, he could CSI a painting. He could see where <laughs> where the where you looking at this painting, and this guy's having problems with the face, and you can tell by the way the the, the oil paint's a little bit muddier here than there. And this was a part. This was a part. This was a decision that was obviously very difficult for the artist. You can see you with painting. You can almost like there are fingerprints to how you read a painting besides just the, you know, the direction of what the artist was trying to do and stuff like that. There are real, you know, and it's, it's much easier, but when it Mm -hmm. comes to sculpture, especially steel sculpture, these fucking people don't know how to talk about it because most of them aren't welders and most of them don't know the difference between, um, how steel is welded with a MIG welder versus how steel is welded with oxyacetylene torches and brazing tips and how you're, they don't, they also, and this is a big problem I've had, I have with metal sculpture in general is when they read sculpture, they mm-hmm. don't know how to address the weld itself. So mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk to you about and about your work, especially Let's do without, it. Getting too, without, without getting too fired up, there's when I was in college and we I started welding. The only reason why I started welding is because there was in, in the art classes there was too many people waiting in line for the bandsaw. And then my friend Dan Levine says to me, "Hey kid, don't wait for glue to dry. Let's I'll teach you how to weld." So we were welding. The first thing we were doing was eight eighth inch rod. We were grabbing every coat hanger out of every dorm, mm-hmm. eighth inch rod in the vice <laughs> torch. You know, double zero tips, oxyacetylene. We had the yeah. we had the gas saver on in and out. You know, we had, you know, 10, you know, 10, 10 oxygen to 10, acetylene at seven fucking going, you know, yeah. and you're, you're welding, you're forging, I mean, you're welding, you're bending, you're cutting, you're doing everything with a torch. And what happens is, is then all of a sudden you start to get bringing in the MIG welder and then the TIG welder, and then uh-huh. you're bringing in the pieces and stuff like that. When you start <laughs> to make the sculpture, a lot of times, a lot of times the, the, the construction of it all. Mm-hmm. It becomes the the difficulty becomes in the the structure of itself, and what you're dealing with is you this piece is welded to this, and then you're looking at a weld and you're saying to yourself, how is the weld part of the overall idea? Like what what is the what is the vocabulary of that weld? When I look at your work, because I, I I I was telling Leah this when I first started doing 
metal sculpture that I was doing this similar to what you're doing in the, in the sense that I was taking eighth inch rod, I was making an armature, then I was, you know, basically taking the rod and then welding and fusing and then bringing them together and then hitting yeah. it up with a little bit of filler rod or bronze or, you know, this and that and the other thing. And all of a sudden the weld becomes the major part of the vocabulary of the sculpture. Oh yeah. You know, it's not two pieces welded together and you see that MIG weld and you're just like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You've been able to figure out a way where the weld in and of itself is the vocabulary and the texture of the sculpture. Oh, did thank this you. Come, thank you. Did, well, I mean, it's true. And listen, I, listen I, I've said for years that welding, welding is, is black magic bullshit to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. I say this with peace and love. I say this peace and love. When I was a metal sculptor, when I was in college, we would make sculptures instead of taking tests, instead of taking writing papers. And we'd knock something out. We'd, you know, <laughs> we'd knock something out, yeah. weld something up. The teachers said they didn't know how they did it. They thought we were like creating black magic and we called it black magic bullshit. And you, you've knocked something out. You hit I'm it, writing you know. that down. Black magic bullshit. That is I mean, amazing. you know what I'm saying. No, totally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's like, all right, so a plasma cut on a pile of stuff, weld it all together, bingo, bango, bongo. Everyone thinks you're like, you know, Mr. T. You know, they, you've, you've figured it all out. Whereas <laughs> there's not this level of detention to, I mean, you have different people like Leah who has created this, uh, Leah Arapach has created these sculptures where she has eliminated all forms of construction. She She's eliminated all forms of construction. Man. Oh, my and, goodness. And then you are in the same vein where the weld is the voice. The weld is the major vocabulary of the weld and the texture for your work to be what it is. Oh, my God, Jeff. I got I to gotta hire you, man. Holy I, shit, dude. Listen, I, mean, I know all the fuck. Dude, I'll tell you anything you want to know. I'll tell you everything you want to know about your own work. I dude, trust me. Please, I know all about it. Help me sell my art, brother. Come on. I tell you what. I tell you what. It, it, I have been nothing but a fan of metal art for so long. But the problem is, is most people don't know how to speak about it in a manner mm-hmm. that is that is sophisticated enough for it to be understandable. Yeah, and I yeah, think that, I, I totally and I that. think that, and I think that, I think that what you've done has your, you have, you have the, the weld is the vocabulary. You have these contrasting changes with the shiny parts that you've kind of made part of, like these, like these moments that are important, and you have the contrast between, like the motorcycle, the motorcycle rider, the uh-huh. helmet, and the bike in and of itself contrasts with the body and the texture, and it's a very fascinating idea because with metal sculpture the only people i can think of and i'm gonna stop talking in a minute you have a very similar style to the giacometti brothers oh uh, diego oh my and goodness. diego giacometti and his brother no no alberto giacometti and his brother diego have this kind of texture and, it, and it, i'm not they weren't i don't think they were welders i think that they were using plaster paris they, and then they using did, a wet paintbrush they did do uh, uh uh some welding and let me ooh i got i got a story for you man. well it's Go not ahead. like a story story but just just uh, uh like uh like some insight into my history my father was the hugest giacometti fan i mean the hugest yeah, we I had books all around the fucking house, man. I mean, I can see he, it. And and uh, not only not only with with the texturing and with the showing, you know what what you're saying. How how the weld has its own personality. How it's its own artistic. It's not just a, an artistic means of doing a sculpture. It's just, it's almost like a like little small sculptures in a 
big sculpture. You know, it's just, it's, it's got this, okay, I won't go <laughs> way too go much in the weeds on that. Do your thing, but, man. It's the vocabulary. <laughs> it's the vocabulary that you're using you. to tell your story. Thank you. Well, well, my father, not only was, was he looking at, at the textures and, and relying on the texture as, a, as an artistic language, but also the, the lengthening of the human form. The, the, yeah. just the stretching, the, 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 just one of the things that, that, that I've learned, uh, not just like the, the process and, 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 and how to make sculptures for my father. He, he taught me how to think about things uh, to personalize everything that you're doing. It's, it's like when I do a, a body, like the Batman that I'm doing, I'm almost doing that Batman how I would want Batman to be right. and how I would want the Joker to be. You know, I, of course I'm looking at the movies, I'm looking at all the comics online and everything, but at the end of the day, I'm doing the anatomy like I would want him to be not, I, I'm not copying everything from, from what I'm seeing online. And that's the, like the biggest lesson that my father gave me just do everything just personalize everything. Do it. Uh, I, man, I don't want to sound cheesy at all. When Go I, ahead. When I sound talk. cheesy. Don't worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> but it, it really is true, man. The, the moment you're able to link your, 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 your personality or your emotions to your artwork, that it's, it's golden, man. It, it just turns into something spectacular, something uh, hopefully what you want is for people to be able to see that, where where they, they they might see a piece of your artwork and go, oh, I could see something in there from you know I could I could see the artist in there I could I could no 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 not see I could feel him in that that piece of work, and cliche as it might sound that's that's what I'm always striving for man and and it's yeah it's 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 like my the thing that I'm always looking for is that. Well, you're finding your voice. You're finding your voice and yeah. you're finding your style and then you're able to, you know, the interesting thing with the Batman thing is if you look at Batman comics, and I was a comic book kid as a kid, you could tell every different artist, you could tell them without having to say their name, everyone had their own impression of their oh, yeah. particular superhero. So all of a sudden you're just like, you kind of see their voice in mm -hmm. that person and it makes a lot of sense for this to not to be a rep a rip off you know like ripping off jim lee or something like that you're doing your version of batman which makes a lot of sense as you are the artist make your know, your interpretation of batman the joker right right it's uh it, it's super important and i'm hoping i really am hoping that uh that you know if there are young young artists uh, listening to this you know i'm i'm not the the world's biggest expert but just uh, just, just if you could just take that 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 portion of what I what I'm trying to um, you know educate people about just just take that little thing. It doesn't have to be your your sculpture doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to uh, be superbly an anatomical. Blah blah blah. I got you. I know. I know what you're saying. And, and it's a, I gotta say it, man. Uh, Anatom, uh, you got uh, this, baby. Okay. Come on, baby. I, I, please help me out with the anatomic. Oh my god, autonomy. It, yeah. Well, now no, you the, got the anatomy. The, the, uh, now you got me off. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the anatomy. Goodness. The the anatomical the profiles of Batman. Thank you so much, Jesus. Jeff. 
Uh, what, what would I I'm do with without you, brother? I don't know, yeah. man. Don't worry about that. You stick with you. Call me up anytime. You got a word problem. Uh, listen, you speak two languages. I only I have a problem. My own problems with one. So I mean, God bless you. Yeah. Well, back to what I was saying. It, it, just don't try to make the body perfect. Don't try to make the face perfect. Just do it like uh, sometimes when when uh, when I look at people, in uh, uh, I'm I'm always like sculpting everything that's around me, right? So I'll see a, uh, uh, an animal, see, see a person. It's not like I'm seeing them perfectly in steel. I'm looking at those, at those people, how I would do them with my texture, with my uh, slight distortions of their anatomy and their, their, their gestures, things like right. that. Just, I, it, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what I love doing, man. And it's, it, a little OCD on my part because I, I cannot stop thinking about metal and about textures and about, uh, you know what, Jeff, when I, when I see all those bad welds on Instagram, all those memes, I'm serious, man. I, I fall in love with those memes. I'm like, holy crap, that is a work of art. You know, you know, people, all those memes about the roller coasters and the bad, uh, welding joints oh, yeah. and this and that. I look at that. I'm like, ooh, look, those are some sweet ass uh, uh, textured uh, uh, welds. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because there is like, I think that one of the things that you have, I don't want to say the upper hand, but I mean, you. When I went to when I was in art school, we, we I took a drawing class and we wanted to draw, you know, whatever we want to draw, whatever. Uh-huh. And the teacher was very strict. The teacher was very strict, and he says, we're just doing this for the next two months. We drew the same goddamn apple every day for oh, two months. Oh, my goodness. And he, what, what happened was, was he was saying, listen, I know you don't like it, but you need, in, or, you, in order for you to express yourself, you need mm-hmm. to understand the technical details of what you're supposed to be doing. As you can't be, he says, you can't write a book if you don't know the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the alphabet, and you don't know gr- structural grammar, you can't write a book. So you have to learn the technical details in order for you to express yourself fully. When I look at your work and I think about your dis- your history as you know a five years old, you know slinging bronze rod in a in a in your dad's garage, I I feel as though you got this very early, very uh, adept technical ability that a lot of people don't have at that young age. So as you're working through until you into your early twenties, you're just like hammering out the techniques in order in which to express yourself. Now you're in your forties, you're, you've established yourself. You do this incredible sculpture for in, in Mexico city, uh, the, uh, Eagle and the, oh, thank and, you. the and the, and the, the snake, which is just like unbelievable. I just don't even know how you get involved with something, get involved, <laughs> not mentally get involved with something extraordinary as that, but you've been able to kind of like, hone the technical abilities in order for you to really truly express yourself oh well i seriously appreciate that man uh and it it, it means a lot coming to you i i listen to you freaking you know every week so thank you for that man well i mean here's the problem most of the listeners of this podcast generally find or i mean a lot of them and blacksmiths and and uh sculptors and knife makers they find this stuff later in life and they mm-hmm. don't, and then they see younger people getting involved, and they, especially with forging, and they want they want a degree of proficiency fast. Like people seem to think that this shit happens overnight. You've been fucking welding since you're five. <laughs> I mean, it's like you gotta give the guy some credit because he's put the hours in. 
And then, then you're able to kind of do the things that you're doing. And, and the hardest part is, especially with welding, is having all that time under the hood. Without that time under the hood, you just can't progress. And you can't find your voice either. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's, it's this, this whole process, it's... I, sometimes, you know, when, when I get asked this about how, uh, you know... It, there, there are some people that, that I've met, and, you know, they're, they're outliers where all of a sudden, you know, this guy picks up a welder at, you know, age 40, and, and he starts doing these amazing things. Oh, uh, by the way, Frank Ledbetter, he's one of those motherfuckers, man. Right. Holy shit. The, the guy started metal art. I, I, I don't want to lie, but I think he was like 50 or 55, and he found his voice, not... Not in five years, in 10 years. No, like in two months, he knew exactly. I mean, he found that, 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 that power that, that artists have that normally take us years. And sometimes uh, we have to start out young, but this guy, this guy w- was able to do it at, at, at a much later, later, uh, in later life. You know there are outliers, but it is it is always good to just keep practicing and and keep working on it. Just keep, and it's not so much to get better. It's not you know I I don't know if I like that word too much. It's not the better thing. It's just to get more comfortable because that's right. what you want. You just want to become like and and. and all, and also, I don't like the word fun too much. But yeah, man, you you want to have fun. You want to you you want to like like wake up in the morning and say, "Oh, dude, I get to go to the shop. I get to you know turn on the the welding machine. I, I get to do exactly what I want." It, it it's almost finding the enjoyment in in art, not so much bettering yourself. You know what I mean? I, I know I, what you mean, and it's interesting that you say being getting comfortable because I've always when I was teaching welding uh, years ago. I would say one of the most important parts of welding is being in a comfortable position mm-hmm. and like knowing where your travel is going to be and feeling like you're going to be able to make that, that distance without stopping and mm-hmm. the concept of being comfortable and sitting in a comfortable position and being in a comfortable position in order to actually kind of express what you're supposed to be doing, which is right. welding, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by one of the, one of the aspects of your work. Uh, I was looking at your work this morning, and just there was a couple pieces where you've you've created these, and the the 150 foot Jesus falls into this pe- pe- page, the um, the sculpture of the train. You do these things, and then this the elongated sphere. You do these things where you have this this object, and it's almost as if it's broken into. It's like cracked open with a hammer, and then the object is inside this container for the lack of a better word uh-huh. this like this object you know what i'm saying right yeah like yeah, the totally. train it, it's almost as if it was meant to be there and when i started to think about those types of uh, parts of your work i started to think about you know sculpting in general and then the idea that you know when you talk about michelangelo he used to say, michelangelo all these guys used to say the with the, the marble sculpture the marble sculpture was always in there it just was me to take it out take it was it the artist's job yep. to take it out and reveal it the and those michelangelo thing that's what I think when I th- see some of your work where there, where you have this incredible texture on the inside. I know that you have the gas-welded textures, and it looks like this kind of cracked-open asteroid, and then you have something in there. 
what do you when you're working on stuff like that how are you when you're looking at your own work you're looking at your sculpture you're looking at the co the composition how are you trying to see it what are you seeing are you seeing that are those particular i'll let you finish i have talked enough no you know no saying? no 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 uh, uh well what, what am i seeing it's uh, kind of stepping back to, to what i what we talked about at the beginning where I'm, I'm not exactly sure where i'm going uh it's it, it, it's almost like that i mean hmm. it it, it there's so many contradictions into what I'm I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> and I'm fine. so sorry because because no, I'm, I'm extremely I'm extremely OCD. I'm a way obsessive compulsive, but at the same time, I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. I know that it's going to turn out okay, but I just I, I you know I'm basically never happy, Jeff. This is the the best way to answer your question. I'm never freaking happy while I'm sculpting. Like, like, like not, I'm not like, no, no, not, not happy. I'm never content to what I'm seeing because I'm, I'm watching it. And, and I'm, you know, I go day after day I'm, and I'm seeing the sculpture and I'm not like, like I know that, that it needs something more. And then the next day, oh, it needs this other texture. Then the next day, oh, you know what? I, maybe I should cut it a little bit more with a plasma here. And then the next day after that, oh, man, I don't like this, the, the polishing the, the, that I'm doing. I'm going to try a different grit. And then the next day, oh, you know, there's just so many freaking things that, that, that happen that I'm never, like, I, I'm never, like, completely elated while I'm sculpting until I'm finished. Like the, the, then, you know, I'll be sculpting and then there comes a day, you know, I'll wake up and then I'll, I'll see the sculpture. I'm like, holy shit, I think I'm done. There, there's like no more OCD going on. It's like, I'm not stressing over anything. I'm not thinking about changing a, a goddamn thing about this sculpture. So it's done, you know? That's that's pretty much my process. I know it's. Uh, I, I said a lot of contradictions. No, 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 no. Contra you know. But I mean, it, the fun, interesting thing is, I feel like I understand what you're saying because, you know, when you're fabricating a sculpture and it's plates and it's, you know, you you have a very specific thing in mind. You have you have sizes and you have dimensions and you have all this stuff. When you're doing the kind of sculpture that you're doing, and I'm talking about your kind of more human sized. I'm not talking about your mm -hmm. enormous ones. You you have and the technique that you have of using a torch and having the bar and being able to use the torch to you know tack on your made the the bar onto the piece and then use the torch to kind of heat it up so you can bend uh -huh. it and move it into place and then add another one and add another one and add another one. It is the and I've explained this because that's what I had. I had a, I made a a torch kit with a with a uh, with a gas saver on it, and I would do demos where I was making small birds and I'd oh, do it in sweet. a sitting. I would do it in a sitting with that with eighth inch rod, and then and then they're the, the and then have them tight together, and then you have these uh -huh. interesting textures. It to me when I was describing it to people. And a lot of it was because I couldn't forge at my house because every time I hit the anvil, the neighbor wants to know what's going on. And I just needed something quiet. And the gas yeah. welding was the quietest. No, no yeah. grinders, nothing. And I explained to someone, I said, that when you start to use oxyacetylene welding with your, you know, whatever, it's the closest thing to drawing. It's the closest oh. thing to real sculpture. It's, wow, it's a real painting. It's closer to painting than any other form of making 
yeah. um, making metal work because you're not using, you're not stopping to pick up a grinder. You're not stopping to put your hood down. You're not yeah. stopping to do, to do, you know, hitting it with hitting the well, they're not chipping off, you know, slag, you're not doing anything. You're at, you're able to be in a flow state to the point where you can wear your glasses and then you can just keep going. And if you got that gas saver, you don't mm-hmm. even have to, you don't have to hit your, you don't have to hit your dials. You're all squared away. And then you can kind of knock something out and you can yeah. be in this drawing painting flow state, which I have a feeling that that is what you are the most comfortable in, which yeah, is closer it, to painting than making sculpture. Yeah, completely. And, you know, g- going back to just, just the process of oxyacetylene. I mean, I'll, I'll do mag, tag, and stick and all that, but oxyacetylene. No, not if you want to. to. If you really, if you had your druthers, you wouldn't. Oh, If you could do everything, not. you would do everything with the torch, and that's it. One oh, tip, and totally. that's it. Yeah, I would even I'm, do I'm, the, the big monumental sculptures if I couldn't. And oxyacetylene, I just wish I had a, a huge ass uh, oxyacetylene yeah. torch. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> dude, I, I think that I think in regards to sculpture, I understand exactly what you're going through because for years, that's all I did was oxyacetylene welding. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's it's like it's sometimes I don't understand why why it's not taught in at welding schools anymore. And it's it's very super old school. Like it's right. almost a lost uh, uh, way of of welding. You know, people know how to. You know, a lot of people know how to oxy oxy cut, right? But not right. the welding part. And and it's it's the. I mean, all you need. Like like my dad, all he had in the garage was oxy, and you could cut, you could kind of forge and 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 move the the wire and the the round bar around. You could you could twist it, you could weld, you could do textures, you could do bluing effects. I mean, it there's so much stuff in it for metal artists. It's it's all in this one tight little package where you could do just so much shit with oxyacetylene. And it's just so surprising to me that it, it's, it's a dead art, man. It really is. I, I'm just surprised that I'm, there's so few of us out there. That doesn't surprise me at all, P.S. And one of the reasons why is because, um, one of the reasons why is because when you're teaching welding, most, we- you know, the, the interesting about welders and how they look at artists, it's not always very complimentary. Uh-huh. Like you could take a bunch of welders to an art gallery and they could look at Richard Serra and they would walk out. Oh, I know. They it's hate like, it. They hate him. They hate him. They hate him. What's and then these, I know tons of fabricators are like, fucking hate Richard Serra. It's just a wall and it's twisted. What the hell? Right. Well, this is a problem. This is a problem with, with fabricators in general. When they look at metal work, metal artists, uh-huh. the first thing they say is I could have done that, but oh. you didn't. But you didn't. That's right. the that's the answer is always that you didn't. Right. You know, it's like, eh, you didn't. No. I think that the hardest part about teaching oxyacetylene welding is because there's no structural, there's not really structural integrity in, a, in a oxy, an oxyacetylene weld. At all. So, you know, so it's it actually, for the listener, it's very much, it's very close to TIG welding, except for the fact that you're not really creating an oxygen-free environment. Oh, like yeah. You're heating two materials up. You're fusing them together, and then in your and then your in, in your feeding hand, you can feed in a little material to add on. And the not... heat spreads out to the entire freaking piece. So right. it'll warp on you. Like, right. No, there's no tomorrow. But if then. with the right tip and then the right angle that you're going, you can fuse something together, hit it with a little bit of extra watt, watt rod just to hold it in place. Yeah. And then you, it, as it cools down, you can keep moving, and it's very, very, very fast, and it's actually. 
for for making sculpture. It is literally the. Cl- I mean, my kid had back in the day. My kid had a thing called the 3D Doodler. And what? the 3D Doodler was this pen. It was the size of a Dremel. Oh, I and know. I feed, know. And you'd feed in some oh. wax, and then it would it would. It would like you press the button and it would spit out hot plastic or whatever the fuck it was. Uh-huh. And I, she said, I said, I give me this goddamn thing. And I made one of my little sculptures in this stupid, the stupid thing, but it was exact same thing. As it's cooling down, you can keep moving and then it's holding its structure. Uh-huh. The gas welding thing is is never going to take off anything other than sculpture because yeah. there's no practical application for it. But but even in sculpture, it's surprising. Uh, because uh, in the metal art artist world, there's I, I just don't understand why even in in our tight little world there's not there's not more oxyacetylene. It's all TIG, yeah. MIG, uh, you know, and and stick, and there's absolutely no oxyacetylene. And it's 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 like you know what I'll, I'll put it to you this way: what going back to what. What I told you about my father, how he did jewelry, basically, in his sculptures, that's what we're doing also. It, right. It's because we're using the same freaking techniques. If you go to any school that does jewelry, they'll all have oxyacetylene. Every single one. They'll have these small little, tiny little oxyacetylene torches. I have one of those. Triple oh, zero. Triple zero tips. I know yeah. all about it. <laughs> and and that's all they fucking do at these schools. So we're doing the same thing. We're just using bare torches, more material, more, uh, 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 what, call it? Uh, yeah, just a lot more bigger material and thicker and, and this and that. But it, 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 it's just really, I, I don't know, man. I, I just hope that like, like that's one of the things that I've been trying to do online it's not just showing off my artwork. It's not just like like show like like hey, look at my stuff. Look how badass I am. No, it's I, I want people to really like take in and and to maybe learn a little bit. Uh, that's that's basically why I'm constantly like every day. I'll I'll put on stories. I'll show people everything that I'm doing. Oh, and that's another thing that I I don't like about. Some metal artists, no, no, not like artists in, in general, where they they're so uh, secretive about what they're doing, and and it's also precious to them. I, I, it just it pisses me off because what it, it, it's just not satisfying to just keep everything for yourself. You, I, I just really want people to to know more about what I'm doing. And that's you know it, it goes off. This goes into another thing uh, uh another passion of mine is, is teaching and you know doing metal art workshops i try to do those uh I, I i've been lucky to do those all over the world and it's I, I don't know i mean i i love sculpting but the the thing that i love the most and and i'm serious jeff like the thing that really like i'm happy the entire fucking day is teaching these workshops or, or having people write me on, on Instagram and saying, holy shit, I had no idea how to do that. I, I, thank you so much for showing me how to, how, maybe I can start doing my, my own sculptures. But I mean, it, it, it's like I'm in the clouds when I, when I, when I do those things and when I, when I hear those things. So, so yeah. 
Well, teaching is one of those things where I mean, you got to bring you got to bring people over the finish line, and if uh-huh. you and it's the it's the it's your students have to be brought over the finish line, which is hard in and of itself. But once you figure how you can explain yourself well and organize enough, you you start to realize you have more of a command of what you're trying to exp- explain than you realize, mm-hmm. and then deep down you don't think that you're human garbage because you can kind of get people over the finish line. That's that's the way I see it. I mean, I I think teaching is just like okay, if this guy if I can get this guy to do it, oh, I can talk Jeff. to him and get him to do it, then he, I'm not human garbage. That's really what it comes down to, Jeff. I think you just hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, honestly, no, it's the, it's the truest form of the, like, you're not crazy and you're talking yourself. Yes. Like people are understand, they, they under, they, they're comprehending what you're saying. And then you have a degree of understanding of what you're doing. That's like, that's like un, unconscious, you know, unconscious yeah. validation, you know? Yeah, completely. And then the, 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 the biggest validation is at the end of these workshops, when everybody is finished with their very own, yeah. Uh, work of art and the faces that they make, like the 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 huge smiles that you see. It, yeah, man, it's just complete validation for not not just your work, for like your life, man. Like well, you feel like you're not crazy. Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah, I mean, because once again, artists are you know. Now, speaking of which, I had to ask you about. You were saying that you're OCD. You're not like flipping the light switch twenty times before you leave the room. Oh right? no, you're, no, okay, no. All right. all right. I just wanted to make sure because I'm in my yeah. mind. I'm thinking, oh, this guy, you know, David's on the ground combing his rug. I, I mean, that to OCD to me is like you know, is like I'm flipping the. I, I mean, if you want to talk OCD before yeah. a podcast comes on? I go. I take ten. I go to the bathroom ten times. Like if I if I'm sitting in the chair waiting, I'll see. Maybe I can go to the bathroom again. I will go ten times. Oh wow! Ten Today, before you came on, I pro- ten times most likely. That's OCD. That's OCD. Wow, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow!" Well, I'm thinking to myself, "What if I have to take a leak in the middle of this? I can't stop it. Yeah, <laughs> we're not editing this. I can't take a leak." Uh, so, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Now, I, I might not be using like the the, the correct definition. Fine. I'm, I'm like OCD light. <laughs> We're clearing you up. Listen, David's not, he's not combing the rug. Everybody's fine. Don't, don't worry about that. He's attention to detail. Attention to detail. So take me to the point where you get contacted by, by um, Metal Shop Masters to be a judge. How does this happen? I, uh, well, I, they wrote me on Instagram, and they, they wanted me to be a, a contestant. And I told them, hell no, there's no right. way in hell. I mean, I, I, I'm never gonna, you know, no, no. I just, I just told them straight up no. And then they wrote back and they said, you know what? Uh, we, we looked over your body of work. We've seen your videos. We, uh, we think that you'd be great for the show as a, as a, in, as a judge and, and as an expert. So then that kind of, made me kind of think a little bit like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's a little different. And uh, so we just kept talking, and uh, oh, and it sucked, man, because uh, it was right when COVID hit, so I know. Things, everything got canceled. So I was telling my whole family, like, hey, guess what? Guess what, guys? I'm going to be on Netflix. And then, like, the, the next week, it's like, oh, COVID, and everything was canceled. And, you know, it, it, that just went down the down the tube, but they ended up doing it uh, about a year later, and yeah, man, it was, it was quite an experience. 
I talked to Leah Arapach quite a bit. I, she's a good friend of mine. Oh, I love she, her. She told me all about how difficult it was to film because it was in the middle of pandemic. It was October 2021, I believe. Uh-huh. 20, no, October 2020. 2021. Yeah. Something like No, no. It was October 2020 is when you filmed. Uh-huh. And I remember because she was being very cagey with me in regards to the whole thing. And then afterwards, she told me the whole thing. I understand it. I think that, number one, I'm going to say this as a fan of, when I was a kid, the only thing I ever saw on TV of welding was Mr. T on the A-Team. He made it very, and I'm serious, that was the only thing you would see. That's the only thing you would see on TV of, of like, a popular culture welding, yep. and it became very intimidating. Yeah. And then, as I got older, you see uh, Jesse James, Monster Garage, you see uh-huh. uh, OCC, uh, American Choppers, but and then all of a sudden you see some representation of welding. And I liked it for that. I don't know anything about motorcycles, but I like to see the welding. Yeah, I am very appreciative of Metal Shop Masters because I am so excited for people to see welding not just as a trade. As uh-huh. that, as a form of, it's a, it's a form of, uh, of self-expression, which to uh-huh. me is like, I've been doing it since the nineties. So I am a, I was a fan of the show. I believe in my heart of hearts, thinking about it a lot. I believe that any criticism, I think the criticism that came from that show has to do because I think that TV shows coming out in the middle of lockdown were under far more scrutiny than they would be if there was no pandemic. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you're on the heels of Metal Shop Masters on the heels of Squid Games for Christ's sakes. Oh, the most, oh. the most, the most famous, you know, the most popular show that ever hit, it was and then crazy. all these shows are coming out on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I think that they're be, being judged under a different microscope than they would be pre-pandemic. Yeah, it was, man, and you know, we we all had high hopes for for the show, where everybody on the show was pretty much a metal artist. And the, the show had a little bit of an identity crisis to where it was like half metal art and half welding, right? Fabrication, right. And fabrication. And, it, uh, I, you know, if, if it, the choice came down to me, it would have been straight up metal art. Right. Just all 100% just art, art, art done with with these welding machines with, with uh, these whole processes, but it, it wasn't up to me. And it, it had a little bit of a, you know, it, it, they just kind of went back and forth. Like even it, during what, like in one episode, like you could see the back and forth, like, w- is it a welder show or because, you know, they, they, we, we had to yell out, you know, welders, stop your welding, you know, and it's, right. oh man, it, it kind of, it rubbed me not perfectly. I, I mean, I wish it would have been just straight up metal artist. And and the show, I don't know, it might have been just a tad bit better. Uh, I I love the experience. Don't get me wrong, Jeff. It was, you know, it was quite 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 a thing to do. But I can tell you this with complete confidence: I will never want to be on TV again. Ever in a million fucking years, Jeff. I tell you what, I I talked to Stephanie Hoffman about it too, and Uh she said pretty much the same thing you said. And I think that I think that the hardest part about that show was, and this is the hard part with Forge and Fire. This is the part hard part with a lot of these Uh shows is they're not really created by people in the industry. 
Yeah. They're created by showrunners who really don't have the understanding of what things are done, and they just kind of knock it out. And obviously, from what I'm talking to a lot of people in Hollywood during production of uh-huh. anything during COVID, there was a 30% increase in terms of just the just what had to go into making these things come out. Uh-huh. You know, new stuff. I think that there. I think that without somebody who had creative control, who was a welder or a uh-huh. artist, I don't think I don't think you'll ever get that. Uh-huh. in these types of shows. Yeah, and it, it might have worked out a little differently. For instance, if we would have gotten a second season, then I think we would have had a lot, I mean, so much more voice in, into where where things should be going. Uh, but, you know, we didn't get that chance. And, you know, it, <laughs> you know it, was a, it, was a, it was a good show. It just wasn't what a lot of us had, had a, imagined it to be but you know well frankly i'm surprised it wasn't picked up for a second season and the, I'm for I'm so, and for this reason, it's the first time you had compelling people. It was the first time where all of a sudden all the contestants are like friendly and they're oh, not yeah. like backstabbing. You're creating this almost art school environment, and you're showing you're showing these uh, these you know you're showing something that you don't normally see. I honestly believed I was just like okay, so they got some growing pains. Yeah, Next yeah. season they're probably gonna they're probably yeah. gonna gr- evolve onto it. So I am surprised that they did. And frankly, the only reason why I know that there wasn't coming for a second season is from when I got a message that the guy whose shop it was was selling all the equipment. So that's when maybe said, okay, yep. no more second season. No you know? more second season. All, all the uh, all the poor Esau machines were were being sold off. I but mean, yeah. how that how's that for not pick, getting picked up? Oh, the, the I know. Metal shop is selling all their equipment. I mean, you can't yeah. make it up. Now, you know, you, you, you don't know. It, you know, we, like all shows, they get a, a bunch of critiques at, at the beginning. And then the second season is, is great. And then the third season is just freaking amazing. And, and everybody right. starts watching it. But we didn't get that chance. And uh, it could have been a little, little of everything. You know, Netflix uh, is not the only uh, uh, show in, in town anymore. Right. You know, you right. have... You have Amazon, you have Hulu, you have all these other streaming services. So it, it could be a little bit of, of that, at like the competition. And then, you know, Netflix kind of took a, a little bit of a dive on, on the, the stock mar- market. Right. And also, you know, maybe uh, uh, Netflix was, was too uh, preoccupied in, in seeing all the, the negative comments where there were plenty of, of positive comments too um, about. Do you the show. think that the show got a lot of criticism? Oh yeah, a bunch. Uh, it, 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 and it goes. It, it has a lot to do with a little bit about what we were talking about, where you know welders would see the show and they're like, "That's not welding." And then right. metal artists like you, like maybe others, would see the show and they're like, "Why so much about the fabrication and the welding? Let's do more of the." The artistic thing, the the have more artistic presence in the show. So it, it kind of had this like cross, um, uh, uh, you know, the, yeah, that it had that thing going, coming in from from both directions, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you one more thing about the the show. Well, this is a little it's more personal okay. about the show, but. I don't want to speak for Stephanie, but for me, it was fucking soul crushing, man. Having to critique somebody else's art. 
I bet. It was, it was, I mean, we would wake up at six in the morning and we would finish maybe around seven, eight, nine. We would go home. I would go to sleep at 12. And the entire time, Jeff, I'm, I, I swear to God, the entire time I had a knot in my stomach. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to seem like a sissy, but I, I just wanted to cry all the time. Right. You know, like, like I'm, I'm telling these people who I highly respect, who are just these phenomenal metal artists, who, who I love to death because we came to love these people. I mean, everybody on that show is, is just like, I, I mean, we, we became a family. And you're having to tell them, sorry, you're going home. Right. You're, and, and, you know, even though we didn't say it, maybe people at home are like uh, thinking, oh, he, uh, um, David and Stephanie think uh, that person's art is just a piece of shit. And no, man, I mean, there, there, there can't be anything further from the right. truth. I, you know, when I was thinking about things, I know that Stephanie felt, I mean, from what my conversation with her, I think that I, I, it's very clear that the both of you felt like you were portrayed poorly. And I think that the hardest part is, and I, I was thinking about it, I don't know, it was before, when I was thinking about, when I was getting ready to interview Stephanie, I was, I was thinking about that show, and if I were to make that show different, what would I do? Uh-huh. What I liked about it was the group felt like, and P.S., I didn't mind, the, I was happy to see welding in general, so I didn't care if it was art or, or fabrication. I worked in a metal shop making railings for five years. I have a love, deep love for that, too. I, for me, I wondered if, if they could have, like, just the fact that everyone was so supportive of each other. You know, in, in art critique, art critique isn't just judgment from the teacher. Art critique is more about the everyone's talking and you're asking someone, not if it's good art or it's bad art, but what was your intentions and did the things that you do to make the sculpture meet those intentions work or not? Is the, does the viewer, does the viewer, is the viewer, you know, uh, held back from your, in your vision. And then when the artists kind of talk to each other and then you can make adjustments on the next thing, I I felt like there could have been, that would have alleviated a little bit more pressure. And then you kind of create what the art school situation is. I haven't been in critiques where my, I had an ex-girlfriend say to me, she didn't like me. You know, she was mad at me at the time. And she just, (laughs) she, she said some awful things to me. And I just, and I just said in the middle of the critique, I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, everyone has their opinion. You know, everyone thinks their asshole smells great. And I don't know what to say. And it was just like, I don't know. Everybody's out. Every opinions are like assholes and everyone's is different. I I don't know what the, so the thing is, is if you kind of created, I think that there could have been some ways in which I, 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 I definitely felt like you guys had gotten misrepresented in terms of what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, all that criticism, they weren't saying it was a bad show. Even if they say you were being mean or something like that, they were showing interest in the show. Like they were interested in what was going on. They had like, they had like, uh, you know, they had some, uh, you know, dog in the race or whatever yeah. the expression they had, you know, whatever they were. That's not the right expression. But that's fine. But they, they had like feelings towards it. They had like real passion in regards to uh-huh. how the show was. Yeah, that's a point and, better than just being this fucking boring. Yeah, you know? and and I heard I heard the podcast with Stephanie, and she she did say something extremely true, where the the show was so short, they edited out so much of what we talked about. I mean, we completely. I mean, we we put our hearts out on 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 the floor when when we spoke about their works of art. And, and when we were critiquing their, their, their works of art, we were 
I mean, we, we let it all out there. It wasn't like, oh, you suck. You did this wrong. Right. No, it was so much more. But, you know, it's, it's Hollywood, and they'll edit it out. Uh, they'll edit out a lot of things, and they'll, they'll put in things out of context a little bit, you know, uh, uh, try to make it more, you know. Uh, compelling. Con- yeah, compelling. And so, so yeah, man, it was. Like it they, was, do that, they do that thing when uh, Ivan's dog was dying, they played the, the music behind it. I mean, I mean, oh, let's, yeah. let's cry music. I usually refer to, uh, I always think about those spots. I, I, when I was uh, younger, my wife and I were living together. We're, she was my girlfriend at the time. We would watch the show ER, and we would always t- notice that when somebody was being pushed on a stretcher, they would play jungle music. To make to make the viewer to make the viewer feel like it's more intense than it really is. Yeah, and we yeah, just yeah. call that we. I would refer to any time the the TV shows putting a bed uh-huh. behind it that's intense. We just call it jungle music, jungle and it was music. just like because it was like it was just like you're meant to. They're they're throwing some music in to make you feel uh-huh. a certain way as opposed to just like letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Ivan sculpture the the dog shadow sculpture. They didn't show something that was. Unfreaking believable, Jeff. I mean, when when we when he was telling us about his sculpture, he he started crying, and Stephanie and I started crying like little fucking babies, man. Oh, they didn't I mean, play you guys crying too? I, they didn't. We were bawling our eyes out, and we we went up to we went up to Ivan. We all gave him hugs. I mean, we hugged for like five minutes, man. No joke. And it was unfreaking real. It was it was a real moment. There were so many real moments, and also, uh, but you know, like I said, I, I don't want to talk a lot of shit. You know, it's yeah, just, of course, uh, of course. Uh, it, maybe there's just, a Snyder cut. Maybe there's maybe there should be a Snyder cut of Metal Metal Shop Masters. <laughs> Snyder maybe cut. Maybe you know, we could do like you know they did a fucking Snyder the Snyder cut of Justice League. The maybe Justice we do. League. Uh, the Snyder cut of uh, Metal Shot Masters have totally, a whole different show. Totally, and then also with with Frank Ledbetter and uh, the whole history about him losing his his boy, and right. oh my goodness! I mean, also just bawling her eyes out and just going up to Frank, and then everything that Frank uh, was was saying about how this was the the only way he could survive, he could live, was was doing metal art. It was like his only way out of of the depression, of the of the, the the sadness that he was feeling. I mean, uh, Jeff, do you understand now how we fell in love with these people? Of course. I mean, I mean, of course. Can, can it was very how... apparent to see. It was very apparent to see on the show. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, there's just. I, I know that judges have to, you know, they're. Per, 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 portrayed as, as right. just kind of being rough and serious and, and almost like Simon Cowell and, right. and mean and this and that, but no, man. So 90% of the time, just Stephanie, just like, holy shit, I cannot believe what I'm seeing here. Uh, I, I, they're doing these amazing projects. And Jeff, they're doing these pro- projects in one fucking day, man. Right. I mean, I, I couldn't do it. There's just no way. I There's no no way that I could have done what, what they were doing. I would have been, I probably would have, would have been uh, uh, booted off the first show, man. There's just no doubt. I, I, it's just amazing what they were doing. 
I tend to think that maybe they thought you guys were too, you, everyone was having too much fun. Like there wasn't enough peril. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but maybe. I felt like, I honestly felt like I watched the whole thing, obviously. You know, listen, blacksmiths, everybody, every different welder or artist had their guy or gal. I mean, I know all of us blacksmiths, we all had Leah. I don't know, I got a more blacksmith saying, what the fuck's going on? What, what, what happened to Leah? I have, I have like the highest level of blacksmiths in the, in bladesmiths in the country being like, I had to turn that goddamn thing off as soon as they got rid of Leah. I had to turn it off. And it was funny. But at the same uh-huh. time, it's like they cared. Because they cared, you know. It's they—they they had like, you know, they had interest in the show. I mean, I once again, I think I—I I get a lot of criticism because I, uh, I Forge and Fires asked me to come on for seven years. I've politely said no every time. Oh, wow. I politely said no. Oh, of course. They ain't gonna pay. You ain't gonna pay. They're gonna write Jeff from the Northern Hemisphere for and I'm gonna what for what? I mean, get out of here. I don't need that. I, I got a shop to run, you know. But at the same time, it's like I appreciate what they're doing because all of a sudden they're showing people that anvils aren't for dropping onto the Roadrunner. You know, yep. it's like you're having representation of this craft, and to me, that's all I care about. I want I want there more to be more metal workers out yeah. there, more metal artists out there, more fabricators out there, more people to realize that welding and blacksmithing are are something. Here's the amazing thing about metal work. I used to make the joke that you don't wait for glue to dry. Well, it's true. But the other thing is, is like it is this degree of permanence that you see. You have this. You have the. You're making something with this, uh, with industrial applications. You're having mm-hmm. something with weight. You're having something. How you can create something that's massive, and it's when you're working with metal. It, there's this satisfaction that you get because it is so massive. It is. Yeah. It has so much iconography in terms of the way the country, the world was built with with metalwork and stuff like that. So there is a vastness to it that I, you know I'm for. And I, I you know, I'll be honest with you. I am. I am surprised that they. They sold all them welders out and got rid of the show. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, it could have been a good growth. It was, that was sad, man. But uh, I'm going to confess something. Go ahead. Uh, they they had a they had a completely study up on all the artists before the show. I mean, we we were going back to to their first artwork. You know, I mean, we were going way way back, way super deep. And I I'm going to confess something, man. Uh, Leah Leah was was my artist, man. I mean, I saw Leah, I'm like, holy shit, she's going to win. Because I, I just saw all the crazy stuff she was doing, all those those weird, macabre, like, like, like otherworldly uh, things that, uh, works of art that she was doing. And I, 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 I fell in love with Leah's work from before the show, studying up on her for the show. And uh, you know, it just just comes to show you, man. It's uh, these these things. Uh, it, it, you know, it. I don't know where I was going with this. I, I just wanted no, to tell I, you. That. I think that no, I understand what you're saying. I, I think that they're. I think that they're. P.S. I'll get a phone call. Don't worry, Leah. We're with you. I see. See, Leah, don't worry. We're all with you, Leah. This is a Leah Arapach-heavy uh, show. Oh, totally. where, uh, all the totally. blacksmiths are, are all in here. We're all in the tank for Leah. Oh, and then, I, like, like as, as the, the show started, as we were filming, my guy started to become fucking Ivan. I'm like, right. how is this possible? How, how can there actually be a MacGyver sculptor? I mean, this guy's MacGyver, and he's sculpting, and I, I just couldn't understand how much 
so much stuff can come out of one brain, right? And uh, I, I mean, just everybody on that show, I mean, they, they did do an extremely good job of casting. Holy shit, man. I mean, Ivan, nobody knew about Ivan. He, he had maybe like 2,000 fans on, on Instagram. Nobody knew about this complete genius. And now he's got, I, I don't know how many thousands of, of fans. Uh, he's he's being um, a sponsor by all these welding companies and, and you know, getting a, a CNC. T- I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And then Tom, Tom is just, amazing all the time that 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 cat will never lose work he's so good at what he does and just oh and ray holy shit ray ripple i love that girl to death man i don't know if you've ever met her but she is one of the most authentic people on the planet and so everything that you see on the show that's her man that's her like like in her in, in the trailer, that's her. You know, at at craft food, that's her all the time, man. And uh, you know, Frank, you know how much I love Frank. I talk to Frank maybe once a week. Really, we we are the yeah. Wow. I, I just love that guy to death. And so you guys are really creative. I mean, I can feel. I could feel. I could feel this camaraderie. I think that most of the viewers could feel the camaraderie, which I think has made it harder. I think that's what made it harder. You know, mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean, you have this great cast and you're just like, eh, I don't know, maybe none of them should go. Maybe they should all just keep going. And then, you know, you build up, you know, points and stuff like that. And maybe it's just art critiques every week and then see what people do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and the elimination all, all, thing is so bizarre. Yeah. It, it all pretty much came down to the, the rules. They, right. they, they were right. like, uh, 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 mainly we would boot them off when they did not like, like if somebody. Technicality. Yeah, it was more technicality and a few, it wasn't so much like, oh, uh, in my eyes, in my artistic eyes, right. I want her to leave or, or you know, it, it, it was more technicality. It was kind of cool. You know, maybe we, we didn't do a good job about explaining the rules and, and the technicalities on, on what, what they were supposed to do and what they weren't supposed to do. But, you know, it was pretty much that, man. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to give the show the benefit of the doubt because not only are they they have a specific amount of time in between shooting, mm-hmm. they also have they're dealing with COVID. Everyone's being quarantined. You got the whole fucking. Th- I honestly believe I'm in my heart of heart. I heard that Seth Rogen said something about you. Seth Rogen said something about you got you guys on Twitter or something like that. And all I could think of was just like, hey, listen, wow. he doesn't know how to weld. I mean, uh, yeah. And listen, I will. I. I mean, I think he was critical of the show. However, I just wanted you to know. I didn't know if you knew it or not. I happen to know someone in that knows Seth, so I'm going to send him a message to Seth, just telling him to give it a break and give you guys another chance, give the show another chance, because it, you know, I, you know, listen, you know, I'm with you, Seth. But I mean, come on, man, Metal Shop Masters. I want. This is the reason why I believe that it was under a higher scrutiny than any other show is because people were looking for new content while they're uh-huh. at home. Yeah. And, and you guys came out right after squid game. And it, it uh, nothing, there's never been anything like this ever. Right. I no. mean, it really, honestly, truly, it's just, just completely uh, it, never. There's, you know, like you said, there, there's been motorcycle shows. You have Jesse James, you have, you know, OC. You see, uh, you have all, Paul Tuttle, all that that kind of stuff, but this 
something that's in our world never, never before. So we were under uh, a, a higher scrutiny, like you say, man. It was like like a lot of people were extremely excited uh, uh, before the show came out. Oh, big time. With just the trailer. And um, because we were finally able to, to represent right. just a little bit about what we do. And uh, hopefully, you know, it, it, we, we're not going to get a second season, but hopefully we were able to, uh, you know, uh, have little kids maybe or have somebody maybe not knowing uh, whether to uh, buy a, a welder and, and, and start doing something in the, in the garage. Maybe that, you know, may, we can hopefully inspire them. Uh, another... Another cliched word, man, but hey. You know what, though? I'm going to tell you something that's, that's, something that's been on my mind for the past uh, year or so. And this is something that I believe, talking to blacksmiths mm-hmm. and fabricators, we're in a time now where this is like the first time in the last, like, let's just say under 100 years, mm-hmm. where there's been, you, you've been able to recreationally use industrial equipment. And there hasn't been times where people could have a MIG welder or a TIG welder or a plasma or a CNC plasma cutter oh, yeah. in their home. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're seeing people do this stuff, and, and it's making them more excited. I would imagine, you'd have to talk to Stephanie, that more people are learning how to weld because of shows like Metal Shop Masters. I tend to think that, and speaking to a lot of Forge and Fire guys, I, we do all this knife stuff, and I know that because of Forge and Fire, Here's a good mm-hmm. example. The American Bladesmiths Association is the number one bladesmith uh, organization in the country. They usually, when they test for journeyman smith, you know, they have standards. When you join, you're an apprentice, and then uh-huh. after three years of paying, and then you can take this, you can take a test to become a journeyman smith. In the in the past, it's usually like under ten people test. This year it was almost eighty, and that comes from generations of people watching Forge wow. and Fire. Well, it that comes is... from generations of Forge and Fire. Uh-huh. They wouldn't have known about this. I mean, you got like 17-year-old kids. You have like 20-year-old kids applying to be Journeyman Smith. And you're having like this incredible – it's an, it is a complete effect mm-hmm. of seeing it on television for so long. Oh. So I believe that it's a boon to the, um, the metal you – know, the welding world in general. And now that we have these, you have the ability to have a welder that fits in your 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 one ten outlet. You yeah. can use it. You can you can get you can get MIGs and TIGs and sticks that you can just put in your regular outlet. Yeah, how is you're, that a you're, harbor It's much more approachable. Yeah, get you go whatever. to Home Depot. You go to Home Depot. Yeah. You can go right now. Go get everything you need at Home Depot. You don't need all any of the big brands, even even though you know, go for Esau people. <laughs> I love you, Bob. They're, <laughs> they're sponsoring me, and and you know, and oh, oh, uh, I wanted to tell you one more thing. I I haven't had so much contact with with the uh, the, the blade smithing world until I I became friends with uh, Vicente from Broadback Ironworks. Oh yeah. And Vince, the, Vince and Ryan. Yeah, Vicente and, and I have become very good friends, and he's, he's kind of brought me into the, the world a little bit. I'm hoping to go uh, down, uh, up with him so he could show me how to, how to do blades and, and knives and things like that. And I've, I've got my own machine. I've got my drawback machine. And, you know, I've, I'm thankfully using it for, for my sculptures where, holy shit, it's been such 
I mean, that, that thing is not just great for Bladesmith. It's unbelievable for metal artists also. David, like, David, having those, those big grinders, those, uh, those, yeah, it's, it's something else, man. David, we're Broadbeck Brothers. I'm sponsored by Broadbeck, and let's do an ad read right now. Guys, listen, if you want to get a 2x72 grinder, go to broadbeckironworks.com and put in the promo code KNIFETALK100, and you're going to get $100 off the, some of the packages. You put in KNIFETALK200, you get $200 off of some of the other packages, guys. Go get yourself that Miracle Platin. Get all the other things you need of broadbeckironworks.com. All right, so that's for Vince and Ryan Love and the guys them. at Broadbeck. Oh, dude. Broadbeck's been great. They're really very – it's interesting. Broadbeck in general has been really sponsoring a lot of metal workers and no, – not metal, woodworkers. Like uh, friends – I got woodworker friends who, who are on the Broadbeck train. And look, they're, they're – now you're dealing – once again, you're dealing with businesses mm-hmm. who are focusing on people in their shops. And when I talked mm-hmm. to Vince in regards to how he designed his Broadbeck – and this is – going into the idea of, you know, recreational, you know, uh-huh. use of industrial equipment. He said, I know that people are in their sheds and they don't have a lot of room. So I wanted to make the Broadback grinder so it could be the one grinder for that small space. Yeah. This is this is guys who are realizing the um, the ability for the recreational use of industrial equipment. Uh-huh. And I think yeah. it's fascinating. It's a, it's a new it's a new world, man. It's, it's, it's like a new the... world. When you were a kid, you grew up, your dad had oxyacetylene. Yeah. And, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people like that who had, I mean, I know how hard it is for me to get oxyacetylene. And, you know, not a lot of people are using it, but, like, uh-huh. You can get involved with metalwork on a recreational situation, yeah. which is different than it was, you know, 30, forty years ago. Yeah, totally. That's that's why I got involved with Esob with all of their Victor equipment, and uh, it's yeah, it's just just freaking unbelievable. Hey, guys, just just give it another chance. Everybody listening, <laughs> get yourself an oxy oxycetylene kit. It, it'll change your life, especially if you're doing metal art. <laughs> Can you just fix your mic just one quick, yeah. just a little, yeah, just, sure. a little, just oh, there you go. Right here. I have a trick for, I have a, uh, I have a hot tip for people wanting to get into gas welding and it yeah. is not to get long tanks. Don't get the big tanks. Oh, go get the fun. small C, really? get a couple of sets of small tanks. And for this reason, the small ones that you can pick up, you know, uh-huh. the C, C size and the, uh-huh. the, the small size. If you get two of them, two of each, you know, cause the oxygen is settling. It wor- it runs different. You don't want to go to the welding store with, you know, you're using, you know, let's just say how it normally works is you're going through your oxygen more than you are your settling. Uh-huh. So if you have double, you have two sets in, in the small tanks you can own, you have like, let's say you have two or three of the small tanks of oh. oxygen, two or three of the small tanks of acetylene. Then when you're going, you can swap them out easier. It's easier to carry and you don't have yeah. to bring them both back at the same time. You can't have you, one set of each. It's never like, thought of that before about that before because you could because if you you're going to go through the oxygen faster than you acetylene yeah. and then you're going to go with an empty tank but then you haven't you know that you're going to have to go back because you have a half a tank of acetylene later That's you bullshit. blew my mind jeff holy dude shit, it's man. bullshit small tanks you get <laughs> you get a couple sets of small tanks and then you leave you go when they're both empty and then you have extra in the background so you're not fucking around because that's the problem with the oxygen acetylene they don't run at the same rate it's annoying <laughs> David Madera, what's next for David Madera? You're working on you're working on uh, Batman. You're working on Joker. What's next for David Madera? P.S. The way I heard you spit, you said before this whole the whole Metal Shot Masters bit that you would be on TV. But I have a feeling that if somebody presented you with the right project, you would. 
maybe, man. Yeah, okay. maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last yeah, question go. about Metal Shop Masters. Who dressed yeah, you? Go for it, man. Go for who it. Who dressed you? Oh, who dressed you? Did you dress me? yourself or someone dressed you? There's no way I dressed myself, man. Are you crazy? Okay. All right. Dude, all okay. I wear are, are dicky shirts and, and okay. you know, Levi's. That's all I wear, man. Now, here's the question. Yeah. Where they present you with clothing, you say, I can't wear that. N- no. They were actually really good about that. They, they spoke with my wife. My wife got super involved with, with my outfits. I'm like, wow, this I had no idea this was even possible. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Go. Yeah. But, no, I and, and, and I got super sad because I'm like, guys, please give me these clothes. I'll, 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 my wife would be in heaven if I were to go out in these clothes. And, yeah, uh, they had to figure out a way for you to have like fashionable industrial duds. I thought I liked. I liked. To, I felt like I was like. I was like, man, David's dressing like this normally. That's a strong move. I'm like, I'm gonna have to ask him about that. There's no way, man. All right, uh, by myself, no. Like I said, just dickies, the the Walmart kind. But you know, I the, the I know all shirts. about it. I, the yeah. kind that burn. The kind that burn easy. I know yep. all about it. I can't use it. I can't. I can't wear them dickies. One, I got. One, I was sitting down welding, and a spark went in my dick. I had, I had to go double front car arts, and that's it. And then now it's leather aprons. So what's next for David Madero? Oh, what's next, man? Uh, just, just keep, just doing more sculptures. It's not, it's not every day that that I I get to do these humongous sculptures. It's you know, it's it's almost like every two, three years that I get to do them. So in between, to pay the rent and, and everything else, I'll I'll do these smaller sculptures. So just if if everybody can, just go to my Instagram and, and just I'll I show off everything, like the whole process, like from start to beginning, I'll show everything that I'm doing on, on stories and reels. Like I said, I'm not secretive at all. I just want more people to, to, to get inspired by metal art and try to promote the hell out of it. And, uh, you know, also, I'm, like I said before, I love teaching. So if there's anybody out there that wants me to do a, a metal art workshop, I'll do it. David Madero. Madero underscore co on Instagram, guys. Go follow David and go tell him how much you appreciate what he's done for the metalworking community. I'm telling you, these guys are there putting their necks out there. It ain't easy being the first ones. It ain't easy being the first ones. Well, David, I appreciate you. I'm glad you came on. You're always welcome. You, well, I'm going to send you a mic. You come on next time. Anytime you want. You have open door. Yeah. And we'll fuck around. Okay? Yes. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I love the podcast. Love talking to you. And I hope hope to meet you in person one day. Let's do it. All right, Vince, put it together, Vince. You're listening. Yeah. Put it together, Vince. All right, guys. <laughs> thank you once again to David, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right? See you, David. Thanks again. Thank you, Jeff. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Makers. <laughs>